Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hey, welcome back once again, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread for this 2018 football season with our kickoff show starting today. If you can believe it, 2018 football is here. The NFL kicks off on Thursday this week. College football now going into week number two officially, and we're all set, Victor, to go against the spread. How was your offseason, Victor, and are you ready for the 2018 season ahead? It's been a, a great offseason. It was a very, very exciting Super Bowl over the total for those of us who bet over the total. I can't move on to football until we talk a little bit, Mark, about our success in baseball over unders. Our service since the All-Star break now has been ranked number one in the country. We're at 50 wins, 24 losses, four ties in baseball over unders. For us, it's been a season of the ages. We're at 67%. We're going to have a couple of more in the regular season and then shut it off like you normally do in September. And then we're going to pick it up, of course, back in the Major League Baseball playoffs. But we are very, very pleased. It's our best season ever in baseball at 67% for the season. Uh, also, Mark, this is a big weekend for us in that down here in the Sunshine State we know what was down here exactly 12 months ago, and that was that killer hurricane that uh, we like to call that bitch Irma. So for me, it'll be a successful opening weekend in college in the NFL if we can keep the hurricanes away from the Sunshine State. Yeah, Hurricane Florence currently as we're speaking right, right. now, but we'll see, like you say, if we can abate that and push that off into another direction, we'll be lucky and fortunate if we can do just that. Kicking it off this week, Victor, another week of college football. It was quite an exciting week last week, a full slate of games, 44 games on tap last week. There were some surprises and there were some disappointments. Let me ask you off the top of the show, your number one favorite and your number one most disappointing team for the last week for the 2018 season. Absolutely. Let me run through the numbers real quickly here. Uh, not a great week in terms of favorites or underdogs. Pretty much balanced action. 23-21-1 for favorites. In the rare four conference games, the favorites went 1-3. And, and then in the non-conference games, 22-18. and 18. A lot more significant in terms of over-under results. The 44 games went 28 overs. 15 unders, one tie. That's 65% of the games that went over the total in that uh, just concluded full week one of college football. In terms of surprises, I don't know whether this was a surprise or not, but I like the story, and it's the surprising starting quarterback at Oklahoma who looks ripe to be a Final Four team as it is, replacing Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield of course, the number one pick in the NFL draft for the Cleveland Browns, the new guy, Kyler Murray. Uh, he got a total of, what, six drives against Florida Atlantic in that first game. The result, five touchdowns, one missed field goal. The score was 42-0 to zero after 26 minutes of play. Uh, he ran and passed 15 times against the Owls, accounting for 232 yards. For me, the most surprising thing is, is in, in regards to Kyler Murray, is the fact that He'll probably never set foot on an NFL field. The kid's a million-dollar baby in baseball. That's where his future is. But he is uh, definitely a heck of a football player as well. You ask about negative surprises, Mark. We can throw out numerous teams. Number one down here, our boys from South Florida. Uh, no turnover chain against LSU, that is for sure, in that Sunday night game. But I would submit to you two quick ones. Chip Kelly... Of course, he's back in the Pac-12 conference. He's at UCLA, replaced Jim Mora. Nobody said it was going to be easy, but that was a very surprising and a dismal home loss to Cincinnati. Uh, in another story, it could be a half-empty Rose Bowl as well. There are some attendance issues that are kind of surprising from a negative aspect in college football, that being one of them. Now, the team... What I'm concerned about from an over-under better is the fact that will Chip Kelly maintain that quick pace, that quick 
tempo. And they did. One snap every 22.6 seconds of offensive possession. However, they didn't get the trademark Kelly production. Only 306 total yards against Cincinnati. To me, one of the more surprising upset home losses of the week. And the other other one had to probably be the fact that uh, Florida State looked really, really bad on Monday night at home. They got smacked down by the Virginia Tech Hokies. A very, very rough first game uh, for Willie Taggart there as well, the new position at the head coach of Florida State. Circling backwards, Victor, from your two comments, from the bad to the good, the bad about Florida State, Willie Taggart, the only coach in the ACC that actually has a losing career record. So it won't take long for that seat to warm up, if you will, for Willie Taggart in Tallahassee, unless he can get that program turned right back around. And you mentioned about, uh, if you will, Chip Kelly and the disappointing opening debut that he had with the Bruins. And uh, while they did run the football a lot, as you mentioned here, uh, with a little time in between the possessions on the clock, the question I have is whether or not the players that he inherited are players that he that can run this offense for him. It appears like right. uh, they're going to be a learning curve here for UCLA. And we may end up seeing them in a bowl game by seasons, and they'd better for the money they're paying him. But I think he's going to be a work in progress for them. Talk about the surprising teams. And the flip side would be Cincinnati, who pulled the upset against UCLA. Don't discount this football team this year. Luke Fickle's done a great job with the Bearcats. He's recruited the number one recruiting class in all of the a group of five teams in college football the last two years. So he's building some some really powerful players and a good program there at Cincinnati, although I don't like them this week. And on my surprise list last week, I have two teams that I think are noteworthy. Number one, Arizona State and the job that Herm Edwards did. Uh, he really fooled everybody. I mean, everybody had him cast as a, a wrong hire, if you will, for that football program here. And he inspired that team. They played really, really good football last week. And the other is probably at the top of my list, if for no other reason, I've been talking all week long and in the Playbook newsletter as well, about Liberty making their debut in the FBS last week. We pegged them as a three-star best bet Mm -hmm. in the newsletter. And uh, more importantly, the play behind Liberty was uh, largely given due to the fact that Liberty making their debut in the FBS had applied for admission into both the Sunbelt Conference and Conference USA and was denied by both conferences. So what do they do? They open up their FBS at home against Old Dominion right directly out of the Conference USA. So you know they wanted that game in the worst of way. And I don't know what halftime speech that Turner Gill, the head coach at Liberty, delivered to that team. He was up 14 to 10 at the half. Ended up outscoring Old Dominion 38 to nothing going down the stretch. So that was a marquee win, to say the least, for Liberty. We, we, we got a tip of the hat to Liberty for a great job that they did in that football game last week. You're listening to Mark Lawrence against the spread, along with Victor King from King Creole Sports and our kickoff debut of the show for the 2018 football season. And Victor, let's flip it over to the National Football League side of things and uh, take a little bit of a look, if we will, at what happened or what didn't happen in the NFL preseason this year. Is there anything you can take out of the preseason as we begin the 2018 NFL year? Like I always do, Mark, I don't take a heck of a lot out of the, out of the preseason. We know there were some great players that did not play, so there's going to be a lot of question marks uh, in this first month of the season in the NFL. A lot of teams rested players. So, again, I hardly ever will take anything from our preseason database and then move it on over to the NFL regular season database, aside from the fact that there were a lot of players, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers that didn't touch the field. And as a result, there'll be a lot of question marks in this first week of the NFL season. Case in point, a team like the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, of course, is a holdout. We don't even know if he's going to show up in week one. Antonio Brown did not play a one snap in the preseason. So there are definitely some uh, question marks in regards to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll see what happens in week one. You know, they opened up. When the NFL odds came out, what, two, three months ago, as a close to a seven-point road favorite against the Cleveland Browns. And believe it or not, the sharp money's on Cleveland. Uh, The last time I looked, Pittsburgh is down to just a four-point road favorite on Sunday. Yeah, we'll be talking about that game. That will be our featured NFL Game of the Week on discussion here in just a moment or two when we feature the Steelers and the Browns for our Game of the Week. You talked about who played and who didn't play. The L.A. Rams really basically laid down the whole preseason. Sean McVay opted not to play as starters practically the whole preseason. 
We'll see whether or not uh, that rust ends up being a factor when they invade the Raiders to take on Oakland Monday night. That could end up being a determining factor in that game. They're either going to be really fresh and really hungry or they're going to be really rusty, one of the two. And the other take I got out of the preseason is this, that 0-4 teams, there were four of them, Atlanta, Dallas, Tennessee, and Seattle this football season here. There's always winless teams in the preseason, but the one that really jumped off the page was the Seattle Seahawks, a team under Pete Carroll that had been the most dominant team in the preseason in his tenure with the Seahawks. He wins and covers games or had won and covered games at a rate unlike any other coach in the National Football League, and he threw up the goose egg this year, 0-4. Is that an indicator of what is to come for the Seattle Seahawks? This is a team in transition. So we're going to find out whether or not that ends up being just that, or was he just also laying back and looking at players because he knows he's going through a transitional space. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Seattle that way. And again, a tip of the hat to the Baltimore Ravens. John Harbaugh plays to win preseason games. He went 5-0 and again this year. Same old, same old for John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. And one other interesting aspect, Victor, that I'd like to keep an eye out as far as preseason games goes when it comes to handicapping the first month of September in the NFL. And it's really a simple formula and one that's really, really good to know. And what you do is you look at the teams that allowed 15 or less points per game on average in the preseason. Those are the good defensive teams. And you look to make cases for them in the opening month of September. They play defense in the preseason. They're likely play defense in the opening month of the season. And right at the top of the list happens to be the Cleveland Browns, if you will, that hard knocks team that we're going to be talking about a little bit more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Speaking of which, we're going to come back with our college football game of the week. We're back with that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Don't go away. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back once again, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on our kickoff show for the 2018 football season. And we're going to do our college football game of the week on tap this week. We're going to head out to the West Coast in a big 12, Pac-12 matchup between Southern Cal and Stanford. Victor doesn't get any better than this for a week two game. Southern Cal at Stanford, your take on the Trojans and the Cardinal. Should be a fun game out there in the uh, West Coast, that is for sure, and before we get into the over-under aspect of the game, let's not forget that issue number three of the Playbook newsletter is out. It's our first full college and NFL issue of the season. That's available at the playbook.com website. Of course, required reading, as is issue number one of the totals tip sheet. We're making a few slight changes this year. Of course, you know we lost our boy uh, Speedy back in April. It's been a rough summer. But uh, we've got another doggy that'll be taking the reins for the under of the week, and that's our uh, our uh, dachshund Isabella, also known as Monkey. So she'll be taking over the reins for Speedy in the totals tip sheet, and we are, yes, expecting another profitable season. Stanford and USC, you know, this is a, one of those double revenge games, Mark. Uh, of course, a double revenge uh, from last season as they played each other twice, the regular season meeting, and then, of course, in the Pac-12 championship game. In regards to this year's meeting at Stanford Stadium, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific time. Stanford somewhere around a four or five-point favorite. The over-under line is moving in this game. And if I had previously liked a pretty high-scoring game, well, definitely some of the value has been sucked out of that. Right now it opened at 53. 
when I was preparing our write-up for this game yesterday afternoon, that would be Tuesday afternoon, it was up to 54-and-a-half. Lo and behold, today, on Wednesday, as we're recording the podcast, it's already up to 56 points. There's even a couple of 56-and-a-halves out there. That definitely sucks some value out of the game. In regards to last week's action, let's see here. Stanford against San Diego State in game one. They did go under the total in their 31-10 win. The game went under by, what, eight and a half points against San Diego State. USC, on the other hand, had that uh, big win over UNLV, 43-21. to The over-under line in the game was 58 and a half. Went over by five and a half. A game that looked pretty close at the half. Turned out to be a real nice second half coming out party for true freshman quarterback JT Daniels. He did lead USC to 405, uh, excuse me, 501 offensive yards. The surprising thing was they allowed UNLV 400 yards on defense, which was, again, a little surprising. Sluggish first half, zero points in quarter number three for USC, but they did put 24 points on the board in quarter four to push that game over the total. As you mentioned in the yearbook magazine, Mark, a very, very good red zone defense last year, USC Trojans, number four in the country. Another surprising aspect from last week's action was the fact that, you know, one of the Heisman Trophy favorites, the chalk, it's got to be Bryce Love. He skipped his junior year. He could have went into the NFL. He's playing his senior year in Stanford. And he got stuffed big time by the, by uh, San Diego State. 29 uh, total yards rushing, only 18 carries, 1.6 yards per rush. It was the fact that junior quarterback K.J. Costello had such a very, very good game that propelled Stanford to that win. He threw for over 300 yards last week against San Diego State. Stanford is returning nine starters on their offense this season, five of them on the line. In regards to the series history between these two teams, there was a pretty low-scoring run back in the what, 19, uh, 2012, 13, 14, when the three meetings between these two teams all went under the total. With that said, in the last few years, they've been involved in a few more high-scoring games, four and one in the last five years. That's four overs, one under. Average line, 54 and a half. Average combined points, 59.4. And the average game in the last five years has gone over by five and a half points. And, of course, that includes last year in which there were 59 points in the Pac-12 championship game scored. With that said, though, we also got to temper that with the fact that the last three meetings played in Stanford Stadium have all gone under the total, only 31.7 total points per game. For me, I was going to originally lean over, but again, as we mentioned, uh, there's been a significant line move. It's moved three and a half points already. So it is going to be a pass for me in this game, Mark. I got this game you know, finishing right around 58, 59 points. That does not give us much of a margin whatsoever. There'll be other games to choose from. So for now, we're going to pass on this game. But by the end of the show, I do got about four or five other college football games that we like a lot. But we'll let you take the ATS aspect of it, Mark, and we're going to pass on the over-under. Victor's going to pass on the Southern Cal-Stanford game from an over-under standpoint. Bottom line, he sees no value in doing just that. I can completely understand a big football game for both teams because uh, they might likely end up meeting in the Pac-12 championship should Washington fade out. Southern Cal from the South Division, Stanford from the North, so this ends up being a big contest early on in the football season. For the Trojans, the big news is true freshman quarterback J.T. Daniels is now at the helm. He's only the second freshman in Southern Cal history, true freshman, to be a starting quarterback. Did quite an admirable job in his first opening week win last week. And if you'll take a look here also, this will be his first road start, if you will. That could end up being a difficult thing for Daniels, given the fact he's in a tough venue at the farm at Stanford, asking a true freshman quarterback to make his first road start at the likes of Stanford. The Cardinal comes into this football game under head coach David Shaw. Shaw is 73-22 and 22 straight up. He has only five losses at home in his career, so he's really protected the farm really rather well in his tenure with the Cardinal. Shaw also 19-9-1 to the spread in conference games when he's not favored by seven or more points. 
revenge aspect comes into play in this football game as well for Stanford. This is a team that trailed San Diego State 7 to nothing last week before they really kicked it in gear in a 31 to 10 comeback win. The bottom line to me in this football game, for as good as both of these teams are, and both of them being challengers in the Pac-12 this football season here, you go back and you look at Southern Cal, the last seven games they've been in competitive games where they've been the underdog, the underdog of six or fewer points. They're 0-7 straight up into the spread as underdogs of six or less points Southern Cal. That's a lot to do with Clay Helton, and I think there's a coaching mismatch here favoring the Cardinal with David Shaw against Helton, and for that reason, I'll stay at home with Stanford for my side in this football game. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week, a beauty on tap between the Browns and Steelers. We're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Hey, welcome back once again, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going to head over to our National Football League Game of the Week. But before we do that, the big news in the National Football League this week is the kneel down situation. Not only has Colin Kaepernick extended a contract with Nike, Nike honoring their 30 years of Just Do It campaign, and I think that they're commercially exposing Colin Kaepernick in his kneel-down situation and phase to do that. But uh, we came across this. Uh, one of our listeners, a good listener of ours, sent this into us, this audio, and I think it really is apropos for the National Football League, Colin Kaepernick, the NFL kneeling-down situation here. It's a remake on the NF, the Eve of Destruction, we call it the NFL Eve of Destruction. Jeff, if you would, roll it, the NFL Eve of Destruction. The National Football League is imploding. Players are kneeling, fans revolting. But not for the national anthem standing. You don't believe in America, but what's that check you're cashing? And even the team's cheerleaders are me-tooing. But you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. Ah, you don't believe the NFL's on the eve of destruction. Don't the players understand what Trump's trying to say? Can't you see the disappointment the fans are feeling today? If the remote isn't pushed and the fans keep running away, there'll be no games to play with the NFL in a grave. Take a look around the empty stadiums, Goodell. It's bound to scare you. Goodell, you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. Ah, you don't believe the NFL's on the eve of destruction. Yeah, with every fan so mad, feels like the NFL's deflating. Colin Kaepernick's kneeling around, just contemplating. The kneelers don't understand the truth and won't abide by regulation. Handfuls of referees can't pass legislation. And protests alone won't bring NFL integration. When football players' respect is disintegrating. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. Ah, you don't believe the NFL's on the eve of destruction? Think of all the hate that there is in Oakland. Then take a look around Las Vegas, Nevada. Ah, even the Chargers left San Diego for a better place. But wherever the fans go, the NFL's still full of disgrace. The playing of the national anthem, the land of the free and the home of the brave. The players can kneel all they want, 
but it won't become an American trait. Hate your NFL team, but don't forget to stand for the national anthem and to say grace. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, you don't believe the NFL's on the eve of destruction? No, 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 you don't believe the NFL's on the eve of destruction. There you have it from one of our loyal listeners, an overtake on the eve of destruction NFL version side. And let me say this before I hand it over to Victor King, who's got a strong opinion on this as well. I do know that. I am not at all politically involved with politics and the National Football League. I am not a Donald Trump fan by any way, shape, or form. In fact, I really think he's disgusting as a human being. He's the president, and I'll respect the president's office in the United States. But with regards to what's going on with the kneeling situation in the National Football League, I just don't feel it's the platform that they need to use to present their subject matter here. And I think Nike signing the contract with Colin Kaepernick is disgraceful as well, exposing him capitalizing on what he's done to, um, to further their way in this whole situation. It's an ugly, ugly mess. And I hope that they deal with it and settle it in the right fashion here. I understand there's a cause for the concern for the players and what their uh, beliefs are in this entire protest here. But kneeling while the national anthem is playing is not the answer. And I certainly hope that it gets resolved. We'll probably not see uh, the national anthem being played in National Football League games prior to kickoff. But nonetheless, my take, and uh, again, from one of our listeners out there who's really concerned about the situation, the NFL EVA Destruction version, you just heard it here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Victor, I know your quick take on this. I know exactly where you're going to go. I'll put my <laughs> headphones in as you, as you, <laughs> you give your side of this. <laughs> You might need your earplugs. You know, number one, I, <laughs> boy, I feel like getting out my harmonica and playing uh, definitely because uh, like me some harmonica music, that is for sure. It's unfortunate that heading into week one of the NFL season that this is such a big, big story. Of course, Nike timed it like that uh, for them. Good for them. It's such a polarizing story. And unfortunately, we got to give our opinions, even though the best thing that you and I do on this show is talk about the game, the product on the field, the underdogs, the favorites, the overs, and the unders. That's the best thing, if you ask me, that we can do. But, you know, people also ask us for our opinions, Mark, and let me just throw out a few things here. Before 2009, NFL players did not stand for the national anthem. They stayed in the locker room. The custom did not start until the Department of Defense gave the NFL more than $5 million to stage on-field ceremonies to make the teams seem more patriotic. So please, people, don't throw history at me. Don't throw tradition at me. It's been going on for less than eight years. The players were moved to the field because it was seen as a marketing strategy to make the athletes look more patriotic. The U.S. Department of Defense paid the NFL $5.4 million between 2011 and 2014, and the National Guard paid $6.7 million between 2013 and 2015 to stage on-field patriotic ceremonies as part of military recruitment budget line items. And while I agree that there has been good intentions behind these, I wonder how many of these displays included a disclaimer that said these events were in fact sponsored by the Department of Defense at a taxpayer expense. Uh, even with that dis disclosure, it's it's kind of hard to understand how a team accepting taxpayer funds to sponsor a military appreciation game can be construed as anything other than what it is, and that's paid patriotism. Well, that's a great point, Victor, because I wasn't aware of it, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners weren't aware about, about the Department of Defense and this whole situation un unveiling as it is over only the last eight years, and it's really come to a head if you will, heading into this season with Nike looking to brand themselves, rebrand themselves with 30 years. And I think it's disgusting what they're doing, at least capitalizing from a from a capital standpoint on the whole situation here, using 
Colin Kaepernick as that mouthpiece to do just that in this whole situation. Bottom line to me, again, I'm not a Trump fan by any way, shape, or form. Uh, I do not like, however, what the players have been doing in the past, and I hope this thing gets itself re re resolved sooner than later because as a football fan, I want to see the kids, the kids play the games, the guys play right. the games. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not into watching what protests and what stances are being made and what arguments uh, the, the players are, are into. That's not what we're paying our money for. We're paying our money to watch these National Football League games being played, and hopefully moving forward we can do just that. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. We're on Mark Lawrence against the spread in our opening week kickoff show. And Victor, it's time now. Let's turn it over to the NFL for our NFL Game of the Week. We've got a beauty on tap when the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Cleveland Browns in the dog pound in Cleveland in a key AFC North Division battle. Victor, your take on the Steelers and the Browns. You know, I'm glad you chose this game as our Game of the Week. And are there more exciting or entertaining football matchups this week? Yeah, there definitely are. But you just called it. There's been more money wagered on this game in Vegas than any other game this weekend in the NFL. I think not only is it the best over-under play of the week, it's also our lead play in the totals tip sheet this week. And I think it's the over-under that has the best value this week as well, and that's going to be under the total. We're using this game in this segment. We're also using this game as our over-under game of the week. And we'll throw out some, of course, opinions at the bottom end of the show. But I got some, you know, really good over-under ammo in regards to this game. And it starts with the uh, series history, the last 11 meetings, three overs, eight unders. Even better, the last five meetings in Cleveland have gone a perfect 0-5 over-under with an average over-under margin of minus 7.3 points per game. And let me check the odds real quick here. Yeah, we're still currently at a really good number of 46 to 46 and a half points. That's a lot of value. Now, sharp NFL bettors, they already know that the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is merely average when they take to the road. We don't even know who's playing this week for the Steelers. But take a look at some of these uh, numbers in regards to Pittsburgh's home and away splits. Last four years at home, 29.8 points per game, 28.4, 30.6, 30 30.4. Their home games, they average 30 points per game. But on the road, they average only 21.7 points per game. That's less than a touchdown. Less. 22.5, 20.8, 21.2, 22.4. So, they've, again, they've averaged a full touchdown less in their road game. So it's no surprise, then, that the Steelers, when installed as road favorites of a field goal or more, won 17-1. and won. In the last four seasons, that's only one over and 17 unders. They've been automatic underplays on our service whenever they're laying points on the road. And that's the case this week. They're laying a solid four against the Browns. On the flip side, we got to throw this in that the Brownies have been the league's best under team at home at First Energy Stadium. In fact, the last 12 Cleveland home games dating back two seasons have gone one and 11 over under with an average of only 35.6 points per game. And that's a nice, comfortable margin for us, considering the over-under line is around 46 to 46 and a half points. Uh, also, we have, in regards to our write-up in the totals tip sheet, that the fact that uh, game 15 or less teams who are favored on the road they got to be division road favorites. they got to be favored by four or more. They've gone 6-27-2 since the 2011 season. When the over-under line in these games is 43 or more points, they've gone 3-19, and even better numbers, to the under. Uh, it's also a division that's not known for shootouts whatsoever when facing. Just on the blind, AFC North division games have gone 21-48-4 since 2007 when the over-under line is greater than 40 points. I certainly expect the Browns to open things up on offense this season a lot more this year. Uh, they added some great pieces in regards to players and rookies and trades and Jarvis Landry, not to mention bringing aboard Todd Haley and Ken Zampezi. But that's later in the year, not this week. Browns, Steelers under the total. Again, personally, I feel it's the best over-under play of the week. And it's our free play this week on Mark Lawrence against the spread. 
right from the NFL totals tip sheet. Victor King going under the total in the Browns-Steelers game week number one in a big NFC North Division battle at the Dog Pound in Cleveland. As Victor mentions here, we talked about it at the top of the show, the Pittsburgh Steelers come in with a lot of uncertainty in the football game. Le'Veon Bell not even in camp, let alone getting ready for the, uh, for the football game. If something were to happen, would he be fit and ready? The bottom line, Le'Veon Bell, if you take a look last year, in the first three weeks of the season, when the same situation occurred with the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell averaged 3.46 yards per carry. The Steelers' offense averaged just 304 yards a game the first three weeks of the season with all the distractions to Le'Veon Bell. Now on top of it, Antonio Brown has not taken a snap in the preseason. I just don't know whether or not the Pittsburgh Steelers are football ready in time for week number one of the football season. I do know this, that if you take a look at this team in their first road game of the season, they've really struggled. The last 18 years, they're just 6-12 and 12 against the spread, including 1-8 and eight in division games. The Cleveland Browns were the hard knocks team in the NFL this year. They got a lot of pub this year because of the hard knocks situation here. Not good news, particularly for hard knocks teams in season opening games. They're just four and eight straight up in game one, but three and three straight up if that season opener is at home. And for a team that was as winless as the Cleveland Browns were, they'll take three and three in a heartbeat going into this football game. One key aspect in the contest here is their offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, is from Pittsburgh, a former coach at Pittsburgh, born and raised in Pittsburgh. So you know he's going to have this game circled with everything that he's got as far as making his debut as the offensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. A new quarterback behind center, Tyrod Taylor, comes over from Buffalo, a huge improvement over Deshaun Kaiser. If for no other reason, Kaiser was a human turnover machine. That's the one thing that Tyrod Taylor does not do is turn the football over. Very ultra-conservative is an approach. He only averaged 300 yards a game with Buffalo last year. They weren't satisfied with that, but the Browns will take it, knowing that they won't be turning the ball over at key critical times in the football game behind Taylor. A stat that jumps out to me in the football game, and I wrote this in the USA Today Sports Weekly in my Bet You Didn't Know column, our stat of the week, happens to deal with Hugh Jackson, the Cleveland Browns head coach, who has lost 30 straight football games on Sundays. 0-30 in his last 30 football games for Hugh Jackson. It seems to me like he needs to start going to church a little bit earlier on Sundays to turn that around, 30 straight losses for the Browns. Bottom line to me, the Pittsburgh Steelers qualify for an angle out of my black book. It's an old angle called Thunder Road from the 2014 Playbook Black Book. And what it involves is Teams playing their first game of the season in the NFL that were 13 or more wins last season, as the Pittsburgh Steelers did, taking on an opponent that won less than 13 games, they struggle. They're just 22-41-1, I should say, against the spread, including 12-33 and 33 when they're not favored by more than six points. Thunder Road for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll take the points with the Browns. Now, whether Hugh Jackson wins that first game on Sundays, in a long, long while remains to be seen, but I think the points are attractive. The Cleveland Browns plus the points have to be my side in the football game. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas and join with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Vegas. And Andy, a lot going on this first week of the NFL football season. If nothing else, the start of the Superbook Contest and you know you've got maybe some update on some projections on the contest. And also, before we get to that, I want to say, first of all, it was nice visiting with you out in Vegas last week when we signed up for the contest, joined in also into the Golden Nugget Ultimate Contest with you as well. So that was a pleasure. Having dinner with you was a pleasure, and having you on the show was a pleasure as well. Welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure getting together with you and uh, the usual group of guys. It's a lot of fun. Look forward to that being an annual event as it's been the last several years. And, of course, what that means is that it's time to gear up for what is the most uh, exciting, often the most frustrating, but also the most enjoyable uh, six months of the year, and that's called the NFL and college football seasons. Yeah, they're here right now, Andy, and, uh, you know, fortunately for us, uh, you just sent us your newsletter. Victor, I know, has got a couple of questions he's going to want to ask you in just a moment about the newsletter. Great content in the newsletter this yeah. week. For our listeners listening out there, you can download Andy's newsletter at TheLogicalApproach.com, TheLogicalApproach.com, and soon we'll be putting that newsletter into the all-new sports data library as well. News about that will be coming here uh, forthcoming, but 
Get Andy's newsletter at thelogicalapproach.com. Andy, we're talking about, as we always do on the show every week here, we'll visit with the Las Vegas, uh, what was the Hilton, now the Westgate Superbook Contest here. And any idea about the amount of entries we're going to be looking at at the contest this year? I know some people talked early about 4,000 entries and it got to be 3,500. Any speculation on your part about how many entries we'll end up seeing? Well, I believe as of the close of business on Monday, Labor Day, which was the sign-up deadline for uh, eligibility for the mini-contest, they had slightly under the number that they had last year, which was a record. I want to say it was 27.48 last year, and I believe they were, they were at something like 27.19 at the close of business on Monday. Uh, I would expect, and according to the folks over at the uh, Superbook, they're expecting another four or 500 so, hundred entries. So whereas the initial projections and and uh, the uh, details on the in the in the rule sheet showed uh, payouts based on 3,500 entries. They may come up a little bit short of that, uh, pending what happens over these final few days. They're thinking somewhere's 3,200-3,300 entries in that contest. However, they've already set a record for the Super Contest Gold, which was the contest initiated last year. That's the one with the $5,000 entry fee. It's a winner-take-all. So my advice for people is if you're going to enter the winner-take-all contest, back it up with an entry in the regular contest. It's going to be uh, over a half million dollars this year as already they've had 102 entries. They're thinking they could get another 20 to 30 more by the time that the deadline uh, uh, occurs this Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So all set for an exciting contest, a record field, and of course each week I'll be reporting on the results. Next week when we have uh, week one results in, we'll also know the total amount of entrance in the contest, both of those, as well as what the prize uh, fund will be. Any word, Andy, from uh, Tony Miller over at the Golden Nugget about the ultimate contest? I know that uh, they changed the rules just to modify them just a little bit this year, and he's anticipating more signups this year. Does that look to be the case? I haven't heard the final tally, but uh, as of the other day, they were slightly over 200 entries. Tony was expecting about 250 to 300. They might very well reach that. I believe the sign-up deadline was Tuesday evening, so we haven't gotten the final figures yet. I imagine we'll find that out within the next few days, and when we return next week, we'll have the final number on that as well. And that, of course, as you mentioned, is a contest that was changed following last year. And actually, it pretty much resembles the Westgate Super Contest with two exceptions. Instead of five weeks five picks per week in the Golden Nugget contest, you submit seven picks per week. And instead of just NFL only, it's college and NFL in the Golden Nugget contest. Sides only, no totals. Both contests will run a concurrent 17 weeks covering week one through week 17 of the NFL season. And of course, that means all the college games that will be played during that period as well are eligible. So those, those are the uh, two, actually three biggest contests in town. And it seems as though contest participation grows and grows each year. We'll be interested to track to see what happens with sports betting being legalized across the nation as more states get on board, probably certainly in time for next year. We'll see what happens to these contests in Las Vegas, and I would imagine that there'll be some contests being offered for uh, listeners, uh, perhaps even in their own states. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And I mentioned Andy's weekly newsletter. It's a must-read if you're serious about winning at football this season here. Victor, I know you looked at the newsletter over briefly this morning, and I know you got a question or two you'd like to run by Andy on the show today. I do. I, I absolutely love Andy's newsletter. As you mentioned, TheLogicalApproach.com. Uh, issue number two... Uh, the first two to three pages are fascinating topics, and, and Andy talks about how it's the nature in the NFL for teams who did not make the playoffs the previous year to come in and make it this year and vice versa. Andy, could you throw out a couple of teams you like in the NFL that were not in postseason play last year that have great shots this season? 
Well, let me preface that, Victor, by saying that last year was unusual in two respects. On average, and this goes back to 1990 when the playoff field expanded from 10 to 12 teams uh, with the addition of two more wild cards, and then even if you go back just to the year 2002 when the NFL dramatically realigned its uh, overall structure to create eight divisions instead of the previous six, four division, uh, excuse me, four teams in each division, eight divisions, 32 teams, so four division winners and two wild cards in each conference. That format has continued what has been a historical tendency going back to 1990 for about half, almost exactly six teams that make the playoffs for one season fail to repeat that appearance the next season. Last year was unusual in two respects. Not only did we have a record tying eight teams make the playoffs that had not made them in 2016, the composition of those eight teams was quite unusual in that half of those eight teams, four of them, ended playoff crowds that were quite extended of nearly a decade or more. Buffalo, of course, made the playoffs uh, last in 1999. The Rams, then based in St. Louis, last made the playoffs in 2004. Jacksonville had previously last made the playoffs in 2007. And the Tennessee Titans' last playoff appearance was in 2008. So we had four teams that had extended playoff crowds make them last year. Wouldn't be surprised if something along those historical tendencies hold up this year and that of those four teams that ended long droughts, two of them revert back to missing the playoffs. Now, as far as teams that I think have an opportunity this year to make the playoffs after not being in the playoffs for at least the past year and a few more, I'm going to look at the AFC West where I think the Denver Broncos are going to have a very successful season. Uh, the division overall is weaker this year, but it's very well balanced, and Denver and another team I think is going to make the playoffs, the L.A. Chargers as a wild card from that division. Both of those teams have not been to the playoffs in several years. Of course, Denver not that far removed from winning Super Bowl 50, but nonetheless, those two teams appear to be the best in the AFC West, and when I look around the rest of the AFC, I don't see anybody challenging New England in the AFC East. Still have Pittsburgh on top in the AFC North, and if there's a team that's going to join uh, the L.A. Chargers and Denver as far as making the playoffs, Baltimore might be a team to give some consideration to. I've always admired John Harbaugh as a coach. He's won a Super Bowl with them. He's had them to the playoffs a number of times. Been a few-year drought, but I'd expect a nice uh, bounce-back season from Baltimore this year. And in the AFC South, uh, which sent two teams last year, Jacksonville and Tennessee, if Houston can uh, remain healthy this year on both sides of the ball with Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt on defense with Whitney Merciless, uh, the Texans have a chance to challenge New England for supremacy in the AFC. In the NFC, maybe the one team that didn't make the playoffs last year that we can expect to be back this year, and of course it was understandable with the injury to their quarterback, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers should challenge for a playoff spot this year. But the NFC remains extremely contentious. You've got San Francisco on the rise. Uh, remember, this is a team that started 0-9 last year, but four of their first five losses, in fact the four losses following their opening day loss to Carolina were all by three points or less. Despite that 0 start, Jimmy Garoppolo, acquired from New England, gets put into the lineup and Garoppolo, once he gets to be a starter over the final five games of the season turns out to have a perfect record they're going to be challenged by the Rams who ended that long playoff drought at the NFC uh, North as I mentioned, Green Bay and Minnesota the South sent three of their four teams to the playoffs last year, so it's unlikely that will happen again, and in the NFC East boy, that, that division faces a very brutal schedule top to bottom I have the Giants being a return team to the playoffs that didn't make it last year. So uh, I could see a tremendous turnover this year that might, ex might exceed the six-team historical average and might approach, if not equal, the eight, team that we, eight teams that we saw make playoff appearances last year that had not made it previously. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with his overview of the 2018 NFL football season. Lots of great insight to carry forward before we kick off the season this week. Andy, before I let you go, as we always do on the show, I know our listeners out there would love to know what your complimentary play happens to be this particular week on the NFL side of things. 
Well, there are a number of games I've been looking at this week, and of course we've had uh, plenty of time to uh, evaluate these lines. They've been out really since the latter part of springtime. And I'm going to go to the game between the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Giants. Uh, Jaguars had been as high as a four-point road favorite over the summer. Right now in many places, in fact in most places, I see the Jags are three-point road favorites with a little vig attached, minus 120 on the Jags. If you take the Giants, it's even money at plus three. And I'm going to take the home underdog New York Giants. Last year coming into the season, they had severe issues along the offensive line that were not addressed the previous offseason. Those issues were addressed this season, both in terms of the signing of a free agent Nate Soldier from New England and then the drafting of Sequan Barkley of Penn State. That's going to strengthen the offensive balance, and Eli Manning will have his full core of receivers healthy at the start of the season. Last season's New York Giants, you can basically write off the entire season. It was doomed from pretty much the beginning. As I mentioned, they didn't address their greatest areas of need previous to the uh, last off, uh, previous to the start of last season. Jacksonville made tremendous improvement last year, going from three wins in 2016 to ten wins in 2017. I still think Jacksonville is going to be a very strong team this year. It might even make the playoffs again, although I have Houston winning the AFC South. But I do expect a regression, and I think that regression starts in this opening day of the season, where I not only expect the New York Giants to defeat the Jag- to uh, cover against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do expect them to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what makes this interesting, the reason why the uh, Jaguars had that great turnaround last year was the addition in the front office of Tom Coughlin as head of football operations. Of course, Coughlin won two Super Bowls titles with the New York Giants as head coach. His dismissal was somewhat controversial. They did not exactly part on the best of terms, so you know Tom Coughlin uh, would love to be able to get a measure of revenge, if you want to call it that, against his former employer. Unfortunately, he's not going to go out there and block and tackle, and I think when it all is said and done, the Giants right now have the better personnel, especially with the loss of Jacksonville's wide receiver for the season during that that, uh, preseason injury. Andy Isco on the New York Giants, plus the points against Jacksonville for his complimentary play on the show this week. I happen to agree with that play as well. Andy, once again, as always, a great job on the show this week. We're going to look forward to visiting with you down the road, especially next week when we kick off the counts in this super contest and what's going on at the ultimate contest as well at the Golden Nugget. Best of luck to you this week, Andy. Enjoy the games and may the ball bounce your way. Thank you, Mark and Victor. And as they say at the start of every Olympics, let the games begin. There we go. That was Andy Isco joining us from The Logical Approach. In Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week, Victor King's complimentary play, and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention, sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the show this week. We call it Don't Do Me Like That. It comes directly from this week's Playbook Football Newsletter from our Tom Petty Black Book for the 2018 season. And what we look to do is to play on any undefeated college football home underdog if they were a bowl team last year and they're facing an undefeated opponent that allows 13 or more points per game. We're doing this because these Don't Do Me Like That Home dogs are now 19-3 and against the spread since 1980. That's a rock-solid 86% winning angle. Our play this week will be on Arizona State as a home dog against Michigan State for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. 
And if you would, Victor, share with our listeners out there your complimentary play as well. Absolutely, Mark. As we mentioned during the NFL segment, Steelers, Browns under the total. And lo and behold, in the hour that it took for us to record our podcast, there's been a significant line move in this game. It's basically down to 45 and a half across the board. It's come down a full half point. Remember, we're all about value. If you're going to play the game, get it in at 45 and a half or higher. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple of college football over-under totals that I like in regards to first impressions. But first off, Mark, betting sharp and betting smart. These are like three tips. A couple of these tips are from our friend, big old Steve Crabb, Texas Tornado, uh, one of our favorite fans and playbook customers and totals tip sheet customers. And if we follow some of these things, Mark, we can increase the chances of having an enjoyable and profitable season. And number one, always have a predetermined game plan and money management plan. Set aside your bankroll of disposable income that you can afford to lose for the season and stop it when it's depleted. If you're going to truly succeed this season, you have to be prepared to bet on more unders than overs. The majority of the squares or the public bettors, they love to bet their favorites. They love to bet their overs. And the lines makers already know this. So, yes, one can actually make a case that there is value on every single underdog or every single under in every single sporting event. If you like an over, you better have the data to truly back it up. And in regards to the Steelers-Browns games, remember the sharp bettors. They place their bets based on value in the line, number one. Number two, on numbers, on situations, and on motivations, like revenge. Square bettors, they bet on teams, or they bet based on last week's results only. They have short memories, definitely. So let's follow those things. We'll have a very, very good season. I want to be able to bet enough today to make the games interesting. But if I have a bad day today, Mark, I still want to be able to come back next week, week after that, month after that. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Now, when the uh, college football over-under lines came out uh, what on Monday, oh, I circled five or six games and... I'm not saying any of these will be King Creole plays. I'm not saying I'm going to bet on all of them. But these were the first six over-unders that jumped out at me in regards to Saturday's games in college football. I'll do a little more handicapping in the next day or two. But uh, you may want to write these down as potential games to look at this weekend. Number one is Alabama-Arkansas State under the total. Number two, Kansas-Central Michigan over the total. Number three, Tulsa-Texas under. Number four, the non-conference matchup, North Carolina, East Carolina over the total. That's always a high-scoring game. Uh, Next up, UConn and Boise State under the total. And finally, Rice and Hawaii under the total, that late, late Saturday night game. Uh, What are we promoing this week? we got a big one in Monday night football, our first Monday night football totals play mark. As you know, for the last, what, 10 years now, The opening weekend has not won but two Monday night games, so we get double the action, double the favorite, double the underdog, double the over, double the under. And we love these Monday night football doubleheader games. We've already got a three-star over-under play for Monday night in the NFL, and it's already up at the playbook.com website. And, Mark, I'm going to close with three words, and these are the three words that we used in issue number one of the totals tip sheet this week. And that is Fortis, Fortuna, Adiuvat. It's one of my favorite Latin proverbs. And you already know that the Latin fans at least know that what it means is that fortune favors the bold. So for you this season, Fortis, Fortuna, Adiuvat. Well, thank you so much, Victor. And right back at you, Fortis, (laughs) Fortuna, Adiuvat to you as well. (laughs) That was Victor King with a nice overview on what we can prepare for for the 2018 football season. We hope you took notes. If not, play the podcast back. You'll do yourself a favor if you do just that. And be sure to join Victor for all of his King Creole plays online this weekend at playbook.com. 
Before I get to my complimentary play on the show, I want to remind our listeners out there that a lot has happened at the Playbook.com website in the offseason here. Number one, we've installed Playbook tokens. We call them Playbooks. And now with Playbooks tokens, you can also use these tokens to make purchases on the site, make purchases for experts' picks, get free makeup picks and selections with your Playbooks tokens as well. And the good news is anybody listening to the show who registers at the playbook.com site will receive $100 in free Playbucks tokens. You heard me right, $100 in free Playbucks tokens. All you need to do is log on at playbook.com and check on the tokens link to get your $100 in Playbook tokens added into your account. You can also pick up a copy of the Wise Guys Contest, which will be available every Wednesday after 7 p.m. Eastern. We've got 50 contestants competing in the Wise Guys Contest in a $10,000 prize for these contests here. You can find out all the best bets and all the plays from the contestants in the Wise Guys contest each week at playbook.com. One other quick note here, I'll be kicking off my NFL opening week with our opening week play of the year. It's all part of a $99 ultimate weekend package of winners. You can check that out at playbook.com or call my office toll-free to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week in college football, we're going to zero in on what I call a lack of respect home dog. That would be South Florida USF taking points against Georgia Tech on the football card this week. This is a South Florida football team that's won 16 of their last 18 home games the last three years, meaning the seniors in this team know how to take care of business at home. They're also 4-0 straight up and against the spread when they take on 750 or better opponents at home. Their head coach, Charlie Strong, also knows how to win games against winning non-conference opposition. He's 9-3 to the spread in his career in games such as this. The road favorite Georgia Tech Rambling Rec coming into this game with ugly 0-5 straight up and against the spread record as a road favorite the last three years. Five times they've been road favored, five times they lost the games in straight-up fashion. Stayed home with the Bulls of South Florida for my complimentary play on the football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for another outstanding job on the show this week. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always as our good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above, would always remind us, keep that thought in mind until next week. 